Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the Sunday Smash. Been a while since I got to partner up with my old school buddy, but we're, we're the old dogs of the bunch, so it's only fitting <laughs> that I'm paired tonight with my man Ira. I'm Jeff. You guys know that. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Hope you're well. And uh, don't forget, like, subscribe, share, and participate. Have some fun. It's July, after all, so we probably can get to a lot of questions tonight in the chat. If you have them, I wouldn't mind. I don't know. It's up to you. Ira, your mind wrapped around uh, the trek to uh, Charlotte? Yeah, man. I'm just a little disappointed you're not going to make it after all. You're going to stay and man the fort, keep doing uh, the wildly popular Jeff Cameron show uh, every day this week. Well, it made more sense um, the more we realized that uh, we had three guys already going up there. And then, you know, Gene saying, look, man, I'm going to need that radio show to be on. The problem is when you get up there, scheduling-wise – there were no guarantees we were going to be able to do the show. So I volunteered to uh, stay back. Um, I said, you know, I'll hold down the fort, guys. You hop in the vehicle and drive up to Charlotte. I'll do all that I can. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it'll be me, uh, Tom, and Aslan doing it old school. We're going to be mm-hmm. uh, making the trip to Charlotte. It's going to be a good time. Well, I think we're, yes, yeah, so we're leaving Tuesday morning. We'll get up there that evening. And then uh, the festivities will start Wednesday morning. We'll have ACC kickoff, the Atlantic Division that first day and uh should be a lot of fun well and i think too um in all you know logistically in all seriousness it does make more sense because i know you guys are going to pipe in while i'm on the air on wednesday and be able to talk to you guys live from charlotte so we can start getting uh some stuff going right there at the bottom till dog is asking us if it's uh the last trip to charlotte i don't know man i don't think anybody knows anything when it comes to um the landscape of college football and what's definitely going to happen or not. I saw your piece on warchant.com today uh, and read uh, what you had to say. I, I, you know, I'm not a, a big Pat 40 guy. Neither um, am I, but I thought that was a pretty decent way to just kind of evaluate the state of college athletics. I thought, Oh, right. No, no. I think what you did was smart. Um, it's just that initially when I started to read it and saw that you referenced 40, I went, I don't know, Ira. We're off to a shaky start. Here we go. But then the more I read it, I'm like, okay, I see what he's doing here. So that's fine. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't, I think that the, look, your what you wrote is, is interesting and it's insightful. I also think it's accurate to say um, that people, of course, the hand wringing and the nerves about Florida State's future is understandable, but I also think people really do underestimate just how powerful 
Florida State is in the world of college football. These last five years have taken a toll on all of our psyches. And you know how it is, man. When you're going through a rough stretch in life, I don't know, it could be financially, it could be physically, it could be emotionally, whatever it might be. When you're not at your peak performance, uh, or as I like to say, operating at peak efficiency, then it's really easy to doubt what you ever were or what you ever did or accomplished or thought of yourself. And you can lose confidence, not unlike an individual. I think that's what's happened with Florida State fans collectively. I think that the, the uh, listen, there's for every reason they're upset, frustrated. I'm amongst them. But at the same time, I, I, it does not in any way discount nor remove the amounts of, uh, I think, real cachet. I use that word a lot because it's applicable in football, college football in particular. It doesn't remove the 40-plus years of that and being such a ma major component of big-time college football. And I think your piece and 40 and all that other stuff points that out. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I saw, you know, he basically what he did for people that haven't read it yet is he went through the entire Power Five. He came up with five cr criteria to evaluate college athletic programs, college football programs, you know, and everything from performance on the field, academics, uh, attendance, TV viewership, and uh, how your school does across all the sports, not just football, and then kind of came up with a metric for that. And he didn't just evaluate the schools that are could perceive to be on the market, like the non-SEC, non-Big Ten schools. He did it for everybody. And when you do that, you know, he's got Florida State in the top 20. And at first I was like, yeah, Florida State's in the top 20. They should be. And then I was kind of like, you know what? Florida State's much higher than 19. You know, if, you, if, if they're doing well, if Florida State is performing, as you said, at peak efficiency, or even just be, better than what they've been doing the last four or five years, Right, Florida State would be in that top 10 probably. And, and so, you know, and again, I, I think we lose sight of that a little bit. It's funny, you know, just relating it to personal things. I'm sure when people, when you were talking about finances or physical health or different things, you know, the, the worst job interview I ever had was I had been working for somebody who didn't like me and I didn't like them for about two years. And it affected my job performance, like because I didn't like them this was early in my career because I didn't like them and I didn't respect them. They didn't like me. It, I did a bad job. Like I, it affected my work so right. that when I started applying for jobs, I went on a job interview. I was probably like Eeyore, like in there. Cause I just complained about that boss and I complained, you know, it was just like, well, who wants to hire that person? Right. And so I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. It does affect things. And I think it's the same thing for a fan base and it's everybody kind of feeds off of it. And it just kind of spirals. But, yeah, man, Florida State, especially if they get back to winning eight, nine games, something that just in that ballpark, it, you know, I think puts Florida State up there in the top, you know, 10 or 12 probably. I think when you travel, you find that out too. You know, I think right. that's the other thing is that when, when you travel and you go to away venues and you run into opposing fans, but and it doesn't even have to be, you know, like a rivalry game or anything like that. You just go somewhere else outside of Tallahassee, somewhere outside the state of Florida, and you go up to a Syracuse game, up to a Virginia game, over to North, whatever it might be, and you sit down and talk. Let's say you you have the good fortune of encountering a, a reasonable fan, and you guys are sharing a cold one together, and you're just talking about your two programs, right? Almost always I have people say to me – um, well, you know, this has been a tough stretch, but my goodness gracious, you're at Florida State, you'll you'll be fine. It's like they, you know, they they recognize a lot of times what maybe we need to recognize. Now, listen, it, it, in the day-to-day -day operation of being bad, it's difficult to stomach 
wrap your mind around and be patient with. And I'm not saying that. I'm You should demand always for your teams to perform at their very best and certainly perform to what they're capable of at the very least. But I am saying that you can't lose sight of the bigger picture. And somebody on here, I think it was Gator Kirk, noted that it's it's not about a power or wins. It's about money. Yeah, it's about uh, this is where we've learned now that this has shifted from the last realignment to much more of a big picture uh, sort of outlook, which is to say which collection of teams creates the most amount of eyeballs on sets or not sets anymore, if you want some streaming service, whatever it might be, the collectively who's watching more of what and whether that is, you know, again, uh, through a, a cable service or an app, or it doesn't really matter. The point would be who's drawing the, the greatest ratings for that. And well, any conference that is going to add, let's say a Florida state and a Clemson next uh, would be adding to eyeballs on, on sets for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I go back to in 2012, 2013, during that realignment shuffling. And I was talking to Eric Barron, FSU's former president, and we were talking about the options, just kind of, you know, is the Big 12 on the table? Is, you know, is anything else? If the SEC is not interested, which he believed they were not interested at the time, then what other options are there? And, uh, you know, there was some talk about, could you get in the Big 10? Could you? And he said at the time, no, like the Big 10 is only interested really in flagship schools and AAU schools. And, We've always talked about that academic part and how big of a deal is that AU part. Well, I really think, and somebody tweeted this at me the other day, might have been at both of us, and uh, I noticed it the other day, and I think it's a, a very good point, that when, they, when the Big Ten talks about AU schools, really what they're talking about is big, strong, powerful, financially secure, well-heeled schools with, fam, you know, well-heeled fan bases, mm -hmm. because that's what comes along with it. You're getting these flagship schools that have gotten all the research money, that have gotten all of the the funding, and they have the huge alumni bases. So the academic part of it's, you know, nice, and it's probably a factor to some degree, but it's also kind of a way to make sure you get the biggest schools and the most powerful and richest schools and alumni bases. And I think that's what that's what everybody's kind of going for now. It's not about, you know, again, geography or even alignment or, 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 or you know, teams that are having success. It's It really is about getting the most – I really think the alumni is a huge part of it. How big is your alumni base? How many people are going to watch these games? And where is your uh, campus located? So what I think is fascinating then is that's where Florida State fans rightfully get nervous all the time because it's not a big alumni, alumni base by way of comparison to some of the other schools. But it well, is it's growing. Bigger, it's, it's bigger than every other one in the ACC. So you got that going for you. You do have that. Um, I would. I would. I think too. Again, if you go if you go back and think about where this is headed. You brought it up. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, either on headlines or on my show when we were just talking. One of the things Florida state's endeavoring to do is to continue to show not just with on the field success, which is something they have to have. And we've talked about how vitally important this season is, but, but they're showing any potential um, buyer, if you will. Hey, we're, we're, we're keeping stuff up here. We're doing what we need to do. We're investing, we're expanding, we're growing. We get it. We, we, we know what you want from us. Right. So they're, they're efforting to do that around every turn right now. Yeah. And, and I, you know, this season, we've talked about so many reasons this season is big. I mean, it's obviously big for Mike Norvell. It's, it's big for, you know, that whole staff. Um, you know, they have to produce this year. You know, you could, we can all talk about what, what went wrong in 2020 and how unfair it was to judge them on that. In 2021 was, you know, the second eight games was a step in the right direction. The first four were a disaster. This year is, is you know, it's another kind of 
opportunity for that staff and Mike Nordell to prove what they are. And that's going to be big to recruits. It's going to be big to the current players. And then it's also going to be big to, you know, college athletics and, and mass, you know, that these other schools and these other conferences realize, okay, Florida state's got its act back together because I don't know if people know that, like we're, we're confident. I mean, I think we're pretty confident in this team for going into the season that it's going to be an improved team and it's got a chance to be a pretty good team. I, I, based on what we saw the last half of last season, I think they should be a pretty good team. Maybe, maybe even a close to good team, but I don't know if the people out in the world know that they may have stopped watching when Florida state was zero and four. So this is a, I think a litmus test for this, this program, what they do on the field. It's interesting to think about it from that vantage point, because if in fact the vast majority of college football fans went up, looks like Florida state still hasn't righted the ship and understandably watching an 0 and 4 team with one of the most embarrassing losses. No, not one of the most embarrassing loss in school history. If you, if you, if you at that moment when, well, still no signs of life down there in Tallahassee, then you really aren't prepared to see them have any success this year. You might. Florida State might actually surprise quite a few right. people this year. Um, in order to do so, though, and we, we will hyper-focus on this for two reasons, I, I think really maybe even three. First of all, confidence levels cannot be high until you start winning games, so you've got to get off to a good start. Secondly, the way recruiting works now how well you play in the first half of the season is of vital importance. You know, when you're making impressions on, you, again, the recruiting timeline has shifted. So these first four games are really big. First four or five games, really big in terms of the impact you could have on which recruits start to pay attention, how many more of them start to pay attention. Uh, and then, of course, obviously, if you're going to have the kind of season that you're hoping for, you can't start one and two or two and three or something like that. You're going to have to, you're going to have to start hot. I mean, I think you got to win. Either, if not both, ideally, um, the LSU or Louisville games. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta at least win one of those. You're gonna start one and zero against Duquesne, so you gotta be at least two and one and give yourself a fighting chance to get off to maybe a four and one, five and one type start, and and then you can kind of dare to dream. I just, man, we can't get there soon enough. I know once the season starts for you and me and all of us who work in this game, it becomes uh, a madhouse because you're just working. Well, and I don't mean this to complain at all. It's an awesome job, but you're basically working seven days a week once football starts and, and your head's spinning because you, for you, for example, Ira, you've got stories every week to write. You've got to do game stories. You got to do post all that whole thing. And obviously I'm prepping every day for the show and doing whatever videos we're doing and all that. Next thing you know, we're at the end of the season and we're trying to calculate what just happened. And so I hesitate to say, can't wait for the season to start because once it does, it's just mind spinning, but I really am more excited about this year because of all that's at stake and the potential you talk about, I'm probably more excited about this season than I have been in, in some time. Are you, if you're Mike, Nor what do you think? How do you think Mike Norvell is going to be that week leading up to the LSU game? Because I mean, he's coached in big games. I mean, you know, to some degree, but I don't know that he's coached in a game against an LSU in a venue like that with that, this much on the line as a head coach. And I, I'm not saying he's going to be nervous, but I, that is a new experience for him, right? I mean, like Brian Kelly, that's a, I mean, that's just another game. Yeah. But for, for Mike Norvell, that's a big moment, and I, he knows what's all on the line. Yeah, if they if they lose that game, but then beat Louisville, things are kind of still okay, and you're kind of you know you've got a chance to still do a lot of things you want to do. But that game is, you know, I wonder how that affects him, and if and if he lets that affect him, or do you think he's at the point of his career where that wouldn't affect him? 
Oh, I think it would have to affect him and to some degree. I, I think, listen, I, I don't know that he'll be overwhelmed by the venue right. and the magnitude, but I think you already saw signs in spring that he has a very firm grasp on the importance of the upcoming season. I, I don't think uh, he knows that he doesn't have in perpetuity time to get this thing moving. It's got to happen now. It's It's got to happen now. He's laid the groundwork. He's very pleased. He talks a lot about how much they've done things the right way, that they've been patient, that, that they've stuck to the plan in the face of some pretty severe adversity. They've stuck to the plan. And I do commend them for that, by the way, they could have really panicked at 0 and 4. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't have panicked, but he really didn't. He didn't seem to waver too much or deviate too much from the plan. But I, I, I think that he knows you, you're kind of out of uh, give me a little bit more time type rhetoric. Like he hasn't said that, but you know what I know. Like this, it's, you, you well, got to win. But it's a weird thing though, because it is, you know, the COVID year was, was ridiculous. So this uh, yeah. is really like his second full real season, but he's been here three years. So that clock's been ticking. So, so yeah, I mean, that, nobody's expecting him to win a title, but there has to be right. a major improvement. I wanted to uh, mention Gator Kirk asked when preseason camp starts. We haven't gotten the official date, um, but I think it's going to be the start of next week, early next week, which would be like the 27th, maybe somewhere in that ballpark. We don't know the exact date yet. FSU probably will announce it uh, this week, but we have ACC kickoff the middle of this week. Then they'll come back. They'll Their players will probably report for camp. They don't report for camp anymore. They're already here all year, but um, that over the weekend and then practice will start that following week. Well, and also we do know some things about, well, at least, I mean, I, I don't think this is airing. Uh, I, the coaches have to be there for on Friday. We, so my point would be that the bottom line is if you got your coaches checking in with your head coach and everybody doing, you know, getting set, you're not going to wait from Friday to what Wednesday, Thursday, the next yeah, week. It's going to be start, the start of that next week. It's going to be the start of that next week. So basically what we're telling you is uh, like a week from tomorrow, guys, we are pretty sure camp gets underway. Could be Tuesday, but, but like a week from tomorrow feels like a pretty good bet. Do want to thank, uh, am I reading that right? Slice that, Carpenter. Slice Carpenter? Thank you so much, man. Thanks. That's uh, appreciate that. And also Kyle, uh, Kyle asked a question in addition to the contribution. I feel like we start four and one with losses to either LSU or Wake Forest. Tough stretch down the road after that, but it would be a great start. Well, if you can start four and one, uh, you do yourself a hell of a lot of favors because it means you have a good win somewhere in there. Um, that, 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 that would be very important. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, I, I'm bullish on their chances against Wake Forest. I really think that at home, uh, I think they gave Wake Forest that game last year with six turnovers. I think the you know they were still in that muck of not knowing who the quarterback was, and I think um, you know just the, the the team was not playing smart, wasn't playing clean, and Wake was a good team at home. Uh, I think that game here, I think Florida State's going to play much better. So I think I like them winning that game, and I and I think they're going to win one of the Louisville or LSU games. They could win both of them. Um, they could lose both of them. No, uh, and that let's would not be, do that. Well, that would be a kick in the pants, huh? If they were both great games. Because Louisville, they're not going to be favored at Louisville, you, do you think? No, Louisville will be favored that game, yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah. they're probably not going to be favored in either of those games. But no, they won't be. And I think they're going to be good games. They might win one or both. They really need to win the one, though, right? I mean, you need, you need got to win one. You got to win one. Uh, I don't think you can go 0-2 in those games. At some point in, in a, in a one-score spread, two points, three points, that's what we're talking about here with LSU and Louisville. Yeah, man, those are kind of 50-50 games. You got to win one of them. At some point, you got to win. Florida State has an inordinate number 
of single digit spreads. Uh, you could project this out. Now, again, things change as the weeks go by quarterbacks, knock on wood, whatever they miss a game or an opposing player who happens to be the best player on an opposing team gets hurt. You don't root for anybody to get hurt, but the point would be things happen in football all the time that radically alter the way you perceive a contest in week four or five from where we sit right now. Right. It does change things. But just on the surface looking here, as a guy who has to always look ahead for some of the other stuff I do with college sports book and all that, I'm always looking at numbers to try to find some values to jump on. And it, it, when I was looking at Florida State, and I just was so intrigued, I just continued to look at Florida State time and again. I'm like, that will be a three-point spread. That will be a four-point spread. That will be a two-point spread. Florida State will be favored by one or two here. There'll be an underdog by one or two there. That might be, worst-case scenario, six points, which is still you know less than a touchdown, an extra point. You, there's, there's like nine games like that, Ira. I mean, just there's a lot of stress in that, but there are a lot of opportunities in that. And if you're well-coached, and you knock on wood, stay healthy, you should win more of those 50-50 games than you lose. Uh, because we know what we say about coaching staffs who lose every 50-50 game. I mean, so, you know, at some point you got to win those games. They're, they're former coaching staffs. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, I think that the on the positive side of that, though, you're not going to have many of these games, which we've seen the last three or four years, where you're a double-digit underdog and no, you don't right. have a prayer of winning it. Right. Like I think Clemson at home they're I think they've got a puncher's chance in that game, especially if their quarterback isn't much improved from what it was last year. Uh, they've got to get much better quarterback play. Um, they'll still have a lot of other advantages, but if your quarterback's not good, you can get got and Florida state will be at home. Um, but you know, to your point, I think they're going to be Boston college at home, but that's not a game. that's going to be a cakewalk and it's right. It's, they should win know. that game though. You better not lose that game. I'm putting that in the <laughs> I'm with you, but it, yeah. but it's not going to be. They're not going to be favored right. by 14. You know, no, I mean, it's probably. Like, yeah, it's it, it's going to be a somewhat competitive game. So, yeah, it's just this is like a transition year. I mean, I really think this is like this is that transition to getting back closer to where you need to be. But you got to take care of business. Like you can't let those opportunities slip away. And you know, and the one thing you talked about close games. One of the things we never really talk about why, how they got better in the last half of the season compared to the first half and why they won games. A big part of it was how much cleaner they played. They eliminated oh, yeah. so many penalties, the turnovers, the dumb decisions on special teams until the Florida game. But I mean, they had really kind of cleaned and just doing that gets you to where you have a chance to win a lot of these games where in the first month of last season, they, they killed themselves. Yeah, really frustrating. And they were they were very confused early in the season, and they were not confused at the end of the season. I did find it disappointing that after all that hard work to get back and salvage something of a good season, they lost their cool in the Florida game, and they they fell victim uh, to shenanigans before the game even started. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And they never looked like they got it together. Now, I think Florida, period, was a better football team than Florida State. And I don't think it's a good Florida team, but that wasn't a great Florida State team. But the point is, they gave themselves no chance with the nonsense. And losing their cool like that, you can't have it. And I think Norvell was bitterly disappointed by that. Like, I think he realizes that it's – perfectly acceptable not you're not happy about it to go on the road and lose to a Florida team that frankly has oh just an edge in terms of player talent you can lose that game you can't lose it like that you can't you can't have that kind of nonsense that really had to have probably been one of the more upsetting losses like the early stuff you can kind of look back on and realize oh man we, we really made some mistakes in camp uh, we misjudged what we had um, we also had some confusion on the back end 
we, but we rectified that by the halfway point. We got things going in the right direction. And then, damn it, man, we had that thing at the end of the year. So I don't think they'll have problems like that this year, Ira. I think there's enough uh, veteran leadership on this team. I think there's enough in the way of talent. And I think that the, you know, the consistency of messaging from this coaching staff and the way they've gone about implementing on a daily basis kind of what the core values, if you will, are of this program should be and what they expect of players from work ethic and discipline and focus and time management. I think that's all in place entrenched. I, I don't think you're going to see it. If they get beat, uh, they'll get beat by some teams on this schedule who have uh, a little bit better talent. Uh, there are a lot of veteran quarterbacks that they face uh, this year. For example, NC State's got more talent than Florida State and frankly, a better quarterback. So I think that's a problem game. Could they win it? They could, but you wouldn't be surprised if they lost that game. But those are the kinds of games where you say, all right, I'll live with that. I'll live that we lose to a team that has veteran players and we're on the road and they've got a, a guy that started a ton of games at quarterback. I'll live with losing to Clemson, who's better on, on, on the defensive line and has more talent from a skill position standpoint. You just can't be losing to teams that you have better talent than or that you're at home in a 50-50 game. you got to win those games. Right. And, you know, the other thing about that Florida game is I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it was the the shenanigans before the game. I thought that got Florida State's guys out of their minds a little bit. The other thing was that was the first game, I think, where a Florida State football team went into it with real pressure in probably, man, I don't know, four years. Yeah, that's I mean, where, where, I mean, maybe the Virginia Tech game, Willie's first game, where there was actual real expectations. Because going into that Florida game, all of a sudden, man, they had won – what, five of the last seven, and now it's, man, you can get bowl eligible. This is for getting back to a bowl game. And and it, it, all the, and Florida's down, and their coaching staff's out. And it was – they had – that team had real pressure on it. And the only reason I bring that – you know, kind of focus on that is that's probably going to happen again in that LSU game because I talked about the, the pressure on Mike Norvell. These players also – this will be the first time for a lot of these guys – where they go into a big game against a big name opponent. And we could talk about all the problems with LSU and the turnover and the players they lost and the new systems and a new coaching staff. All that stuff is true. And it makes LSU probably more vulnerable, which is why we think FSU's got a great chance, even though LSU probably has a better roster by far. You do. What what gives you the the other part of it though is we're gonna everybody knows they've got a chance in this game. Like so they're right. not going into it ain't like the North Carolina game two years ago where they just went and let it go. Man, you know, nobody expects anything from us or Clemson last year. This LSU game is going to be a little different. To me, it's almost like that Oklahoma game for Jimbo where you, there's actually like a feeling like, okay, we there's something on the line here. That's a mentality these guys haven't trained for really. I think well, you can't, you, you really can't train for it. You can only experience it, survive it. If you win the game and you learn from it, if you lose the game, you learn from that too, but you have to go through it. Right. And so there's no way to replicate that. You can't make the practice fields feel like the game uh, in new Orleans. You can't, you can pipe in all the noise you want. It's not the same as looking across from uh, the line of scrimmage and seeing an LSU player who, you know, is big, strong can run all that stuff. So it's, yeah, and 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 listen, I think LSU will be well coached. Um, you know, I, I they, typically Kelly does a good job, so I, I think they will be. I don't like him, but the, regardless, he's done, he's done a good job. So we'll see. Uh, he's in year one. I hope they're a confused mess. I hope that's the game that exposes what kind of disarray that program's really in. Ira, we would love all that, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. You you can't 
prepare yourself for it other than to know what you know and you know play to what your strengths are and, and hope that's good enough. I do know this because somebody mentioned it in the uh, in the chat. You know, they might accidentally win seven or eight games if they're not the worst special teams unit in college football. You know, we, we, we keep glossing over that just because we keep thinking about the sexier things, which are offense, defense, all that stuff. They cost themselves so much in the way of yardage, field position, time of possession. I mean, the things they did in special teams – it's, it's hard to even draw it. Like if you were thinking of a calamity of errors and how you would inflict that upon a team, you would do what Florida State did on special teams. You'd be like, well, this is how you can ensure you're going to give yourself no chance to win some of these games that should have been close in the fourth quarter is do this nonsense that we've saw in weeks, you know, one through five, really, really the whole year. They never really got much better on special teams. And, and especially no matter, no matter who they put back there as a return man. Um, but, you know, and I will say this, I, I, I'm going to apologize again to Micah Pittman because I should have had him higher just for the ability to return punts. Um, that, you know, I, I think I had him 12, and a lot of you guys had him uh, higher in the top 10. Yeah. That that factor, I should have had him higher just because I think he changes the complexion of games. I mean, if, if, if there are seven punts, six or seven punts by the other team, yeah, he might save them. Oh. I mean, just by catching the ball, let alone maybe returning. 100 yards, Tyra, 100 <laughs> yards. I mean, how many times? We kept watching. I mean, that the joke, the joke amongst Florida State fans and media is we would yell at the commentators, stop saying hidden yards. They're not hidden. I'm watching the ball bounce 20, 30, 40 yards down the field. That could have been I, – I, they're not hidden at all. They're obvious, and they're smacking us across the face every Saturday. It was so brutal. And the you know some muffed punts and just one thing after another. So he actually might be a weapon. Um, and then you know that was another reason you know we really want to see Winston Wright get back as early as possible because he's returned kicks. I mean he's he's had hundred yard kick returns. I mean he he's a legitimate kick returner. So those two guys not only did you get two receivers who might be your two best wide receivers when Winston Wright gets back and healthy if he gets back to what he was before, they also could take care of your punt returns and your kickoff returns. And Florida State has just been bad. I mean, they, it's really been – and, and I, I, I like John Papujas. You like him. Uh, you know, we've talked to him. I think he, he coaches well. I mean, I've watched him in practice. Ethan's fans are great. And Mike Norvell is – like he talked about special teams from day one. So you know he cares about it, and you know he takes an active role in it. He's in all their special teams meetings. So he decided to stand pat, you know, and, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But if the special teams aren't good again – Man, there is going to be a ton of heat on John Papuchas and then on Mike Norvell for not doing anything about it. It has to be better. It has to be a lot better. Yeah, I said at the end of last year when we were kind of taking inventory and I talked about some things that I really liked throughout the course of the year, some things that improved over the course of the year, some things that never got better, special teams being the most obvious amongst them. I talked about some things that I'd like to see from a personnel standpoint on the coaching staff. You know, you and I might disagree a little bit on that, but uh, there's there's some guys that I wouldn't have here that they have here. But the, the point is, the biggest one was special teams for the reason that you just mentioned. The head coach at his opening press conference put an emphasis on special teams as he addressed the assembled media and mega boosters at said uh, press conference. We were both there. He made it a point. 
you really you can't lose the opening press conference, right? And he didn't. Yeah. But you can't lose the opening press conference. Pretty much everything you say, people are going to buy into. But you have to be careful what you say. And so, to me, when he said that you're going to recognize what kind of football this team is through special teams, well, hell, man, that's a yeah. hell of a thing, <laughs> given what we. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you want to say about last year's team, yeah. No, I mean, think about that. I mean, he had to have been mortified to to the point you're making. He had – I'm sure some chairs were thrown, and that's not the kind of guy he is. But if I sat up there at my opening press conference and told everybody that would listen, I guarantee you we're going to be good on special teams, and then that happened, it'd be I'd be pissed if we were mediocre on special teams after I had mentioned it, let alone a travesty. Yeah, and – and again, what's weird about it, I do think it became a self-fulfilling prophecy for those players. Yeah. You can tell it. And I think John Papuchas has admitted it. When they put different people back there, they you could see the weight of the world on there. And we joked about it in the Florida game where, you know, Pokey is like fighting the ball like it's a, you know. Oh, it was, you know, it's a missile. the Florida guy just catching yeah. it over the ball. <laughs> just without a care in the world. Well, that's why, that's how it should be. But like Florida State's guys got so domed up because of everything that happened throughout the year. And so, and it didn't matter who they put back, put back there, anybody they put back there, it was the same story. Either they let him bounce and roll 30 yards or they, or, you know, I mean, it's just, it was a disaster. So um, yeah, that, I mean, look, that's that. And and the other thing about that is it's the easiest things for fans and media to latch onto because it's out there in the open. You know, if, 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 if a right guard's getting beat all day, that might be a little tougher to know, or if a safety and corner aren't communicating, whatever, those things might, get lost. But when that one dude's back there and can't catch the football, your coaching staff looks silly. Remember, so it was the Syracuse game, right, where they fumbled the punt and it Mm -hmm. totally allowed Syracuse to get back in the game. And basically, if it's not for some Jordan Travis heroics, they lose the game. And what was so weird about that was that was at home. And secondly, when he fumbled that punt, the whole stadium knew that this was going to turn into a nightmare of an ending. Now, it worked out. But it did turn into a nightmare, and we knew it. We knew it as soon as it happened. And I went, man, and I think that's why nobody wanted to catch a punt again because I have a feeling they were told, look, man, if we have the lead and they're kicking the ball to us and there's five minutes to go in the game, if you're not sure that you can catch it, just get the hell out of the way. We'll we'll win the game as long as you don't turn it over. But that creates a mindset, Ira. That creates a scared, tentative pensive mindset as opposed to attacking i'm here to make plays uh this is what i mean i'm just catching a football yeah. these guys are so good they're such great athletes that florida kid i hate to keep giving him praise he's catching the ball like this like talking to the ref as he catches it and throws it over it was like ball's coming down he's like so yeah, right here okay here you go there you go. it was ridiculous well and that goes back you know and again i i have given them a pass to some degree on the return game because you know you don't have good returners you don't have good returners but I do think it's a coaching staff's job to make sure the players don't get in that state of mind where they're afraid to go out and do anything because now you're killing yourself by letting mm-hmm. the ball bounce and roll um, 20 yards. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's not scary. Somebody Spartan Noel, Spartan Noel pointed that out. Yeah. And um, yes, I agree with you. He's not. I, they've got guys that can catch the ball now, in particular, Micah Pittman. Micah Pittman uh, wowed me. Just wowed me in spring. I, I, I We say it all the time, but I'll say it again here since it's applicable, since uh, we're talking about special teams. You're right. He may end up being uh, a star for this team because he also did things I didn't think he could do, which is compete for jump balls and win win a lot of those battles you know, in, in traffic. Um, and he's tough, too. He's physically tough. So 
who knows? He might, golly, can you imagine in addition to catching the ball, they actually flip some field position, like not well, just catch it, but do something with it. And we hyper focus on that. Kick returns weren't as bad, but they weren't again, good. But, but, you know, it's been a minute. I mean, it's been a long, I mean, think about even like in the end, when, when, when Willie was here, they kept, remember, they kept trying to return them, even though you could fair catch them inside the. They know, do it here too, Ira. They do it here too. Well, I mean, but now. it was worse with Willie. I mean, like with yeah. Willie, it was, it was like they didn't realize that was a rule. Well, remember the answer that he gave, and I understood yeah. what he was trying to instill in fairness to him, although at some point you have to pull the plug on the experiment. They wanted to create a mindset of aggressiveness of, of playmaking. And he thought, well, we've got athletes. You ought to be able to make a play. And but you really don't. <laughs> you really didn't, Willie. That's really the part. That's really the heart of the whole problem is Willie thought he had 90 yeah. Florida State and he did not. No, and and I thought last year there were times where I wanted to yell at Papuchas. I wanted to like post game say, "What, my man? You know they're giving you the ball at the 25. We're good. We're good. stop doing this. Stop. There. It just listen. We've probably stressed too much of it on this tonight, but I do. Really, it started out us bringing that up. We looked at it as a positive, and what I mean is. We, we know it can't get worse, and we actually think they have – they're equipped to make it better, like I mean, legitimately better, better. It has to. I mean, it just has to. I mean, it just has to. And, again, like we go back to, you know, things fans can accept. You know, I, I, I think the things that are going to come back to haunt Mike Norvell if the season doesn't go well are if special teams doesn't get a lot better because you stood pat there, if the receiver play doesn't get a lot better because you end up bringing back Coach Dugan's, when a lot of people wanted to see a change there. And then also, you know, all, fair or not, if Jordan Travis gets hurt, that's going to be something that comes back. And, and if the backups don't perform at all, I I understand how this all happened. I understand why they didn't go out and get a big-time transfer or they couldn't go out. There's a lot of factors there. We've written about it. We've talked about it. But at the end of the day, if something happens to Jordan where he misses serious time and you don't have a quality backup, that – that is going to be an avalanche on Mike Norvell because that's all the people, the people who don't know why it happened the way it happened are just going to know. How did you not see this happen coming? Well, you know, it's interesting, Ira. And and we, it's fun. I, I, this is the only time that it's fun to get old because you can, you can gain real perspective on, on various scenarios and situations that you see play out on teams that you cover, right? Good and bad. Things that you learn from that one time that they did this at practice and they never should have done it and it directly affected them in the game. And then the next thing you knew, it became an avalanche. So I, there, there, there is that situation where you talk about, okay, I know why he made the decision that he made about quarterback position. And you and I, based on the fact that there really weren't many options, yeah. kind of agreed with it. You know, like, what, what are you going to do? You, you, you can't go out and get somebody uh, that – is is perhaps going to win that job uh, unless you can get a superstar and they couldn't get a superstar, right? That we we would have agreed if you could have gone out and got yes, one of the two, yes, then should have. But if you can't, then you go get a guy that is maybe the equivalent and say he wins that job, you've lost Jordan. He's gone. That's 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 the end of that, right? And, and how many of those guys want to go to a school that's got a Jordan Travis? Right. So you know? that you couldn't get those guys either. Really, the options were very minimal. But I've also learned over the years that. The reasons could be logical. They, you know, that they, yeah. they're not excuses. They're reasons. Doesn't really matter. 
at some point, either you are or you are not winning football games. And if there are things that people can point to overwhelmingly so as to the reasons you're not, it doesn't matter if you sensibly take the person step for step through it, that you've lost them. They're not coming back. They're done. And frankly, if you lose a bunch of games, then at some point, look, that, that is on you. That, that's it. Yeah. And I think, but that, that, that part of it, I think, especially as a coach in year three or year four, once they've been there for a while is, you know, fans and media start kind of getting a book on you the way like teams get a book on a, a pitcher. And so they figure out, okay, well this, like you just said, this is, this is something that's been a problem. Let's see if they fix it. And they maybe could tolerate something else going wrong, but you can't have the same problem multiple years. You can't have the same thing, man, how many, how long is it going to be before we fix that? Why can't you fix that? That ratchets up the frustration to a different level. And again, you know, we talk about Jimbo and in 2012, 2011, there was a lot of frustration with things that happened that season. 2012, there was less frustration, but a couple things happened again and you lose mm -hmm. the NC State, you lose the Florida games. If those had continued into 13, if like you lost the game in 13 for that same reason, man, people would have lost their minds. But he didn't. They, he got better. They got Jameis. They win the national title. So this is, you know, again, this is we're at a point now where people aren't going to be as forgiving if it's something they've seen be a problem in the past. Yeah, and the circumstances are so different. That's what's frustrating too because, you know, Jimbo didn't come in and take over a situation and then immediately have a COVID year where he right. couldn't for 18 months visit recruits or their coaches. He couldn't form relationships. That's what happened obviously in this situation to Norvell, right? He basically went 18 months without being able to form bonds, relationships with coaches. You got screwed out of your new car smell, which is what's going on right now with Miami. They are benefiting obviously because they bring in a coach. He's one of their own. There's momentum that happens typically with that hire. Now you got to win. We'll see if they don't, then obviously that's a real problem for them. And they'll quickly go back to being mediocre on the recruiting trail. Do you, uh, do you think, do you think Kirby, somebody brought up Kirby, in the chat, do you think Kirby got better as a coach last year, or do you think they just were so overwhelming it didn't matter? Like, do you yeah, think, think he learned did. from some of the problem? Because he he lost he lost some games his first few years that you know not a lot lot, but he he definitely lost a game, you know, game here or there that they probably could have won. Um, do you think? No, he I don't think he got any smarter as a coach. I think that their talent is overwhelming. It, right. I, if you ever see, look at the draft. I mean, that was insane. So you just got to not screw it up at that point. Yeah. No, he's done a good job. I mean, you get credit for recruiting to that level. You do. I mean, you know, that's part of the job description if you can make it happen. Uh, walked into a really good situation and uh, and made the most of it because he learned a lot uh, from Nick Saban. And in his coaching career, he learned how to set up a system by which to bring in the best recruits in the country, and they have succeeded on that front. Uh, at some point, with a defense that's that good, you know, you just have to just – be nominally decent on offense. And they were, they were, they were physical enough. And then I saw another question earlier. Was, I don't know, Matthew might not be able to find it, put it on the screen, but somebody asked about how concerned are you or we about um, what Miami's doing in recruiting. Um, and I, and I want to say one thing real quick. It's not just the NIL situation, obviously John Ruiz, their big benefactor down there. And there's, there's, a, there are others there. They have got a lot of big money people who are supporting Mario Cristobal in a way that they did not support uh, previous coaches, certainly not Manny Diaz. And so, and then the NIL opportun op makes opportunities for do it on a bigger stage. 
Um, but Mario is also a great recruiter. I mean, he was a great recruiter when he was at Miami as an assistant coach. He's a great recruiter at Oregon. He's a great recruiter there. Um, how of, of Florida and Miami right now, where, where's your concern about, I know Florida state's got to focus on Florida state, but where are you looking at those other two? Long-term, I would be really nervous about Florida always because they're in the sec and the money gap is going to continue to grow. Um, but short-term sure. Miami has received that bump. Uh, from bringing in a new coach who's wildly popular. And like you said, he is uh, a skilled recruiter. Uh, let's hope they suck uh, because that all goes away quickly, guys. It, it does. Time and again, How many times have we heard it? How many times have we heard it with Miami? We're still waiting, everybody. We're still waiting. They still haven't won an ACC championship. The only time they played for one, they got their doors blown off. They have been irrelevant forever. Does it feel like that's changing? Does it feel like the emphasis is being put back on football? Looks like it. Looks like it is from the outside looking in. It certainly does. Uh, and that's never good. That doesn't make me happy because I hate Miami, and I'd like to see them lose every game they play. But clearly, uh, they're serious about trying to get better. We'll see how the season plays out. They've got, I think, a very good quarterback. I said that last year. I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're a better team than Florida State. I think they'll beat Florida State this year. Um, but I think that I'm not really concerned about whatever Miami is right now because Florida State has to get to a point where they're not under 500. Then you can start worrying about the recruiting wars and have a chance to even some of that out. I also think Florida State finally got their NIL organization in line. I do think that they are now competitive for guys. I think they have opportunities. We saw that. It was a great week, uh, well, the last 10 days or whatever it was, where they were able to bring in a couple four-star guys, including a defensive end that everybody wanted, including Miami, yeah. including Florida, including Alabama and Ohio State and USC and a lot of others. So they've shown that maybe they've got their house in order on that front. Until you win games, you're not going to cash in big time. Now, again, different set of circumstances. If you Fire a coach, bring in a new coach. You typically get a bump if it's not a COVID year. <laughs> but, 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 but so the point would be I'm expecting Miami and to some extent Napier at Florida to do okay initially. Um, for us, I think the key is to right now to get to get to eight wins, get to where you are on stable ground, where now all of a sudden recruits who wouldn't otherwise consider you do bother to take a look and listen to that pitch because I think they do a good job of connecting with kids. We know Alex Atkins is a stud. Alex Atkins is the weapon you need if you can win some damn games to win over these 50-50 guys. So, you know, and I think Mike's a good recruiter in the sense of connecting with kids, but unless you win games as a head coach, you're going to get dismissed summarily. And I understand that. If I'm an elite player, if I'm an elite wide receiver, well, A, Florida State hasn't had one of those in a while, and I don't know that Ron's doing a great job of recruiting. And secondly, I would point out they're not winning games. So if they win games, now all of a sudden maybe I consider big-picture stuff from Florida State. Yeah, the other thing Cristobal has going for him is that, you know, the new car smell. You know, they haven't, he hasn't lost a game yet in Miami. So they can talk a big game, and then if they go out and don't play well, now it's a little bit harder. And that's where Mike Norvell really got hurt in that first year having the COVID year because they couldn't even get kids on campus. They, I think that first – they got here in, in what, December, January. Mm -hmm. Then recruiting – February was completely shut down. Beginning of March, they were finally able to get kids on campus. They got a lot of kids on campus. And then by, like, March 12th or 13th or whatever, everything was shut down by the pandemic. And they couldn't get kids on campus for almost two years after It's crazy. That. Yeah, so, no, so it's impressive, I think, what they've been able to do, especially you look at the way they closed the last class – uh, getting Azaria Thomas and Sam McCall and Julian Armella and some of those guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, I you know, but I, but the challenge, again, is the same thing where 
he's lost games and they've lost games. So they don't have that new car smell at all. And so now you have to have success. You can't just promise hope. I remember, again, going back to Jimbo, just because he's the last you know coach that was here for a long time. When his first recruiting class or two, those, those kids that would come in, they thought he was going to win a national title like overnight. Like that's, that's how it is when a new coach comes in. They just assume it's just going to be great right from the start. And that's your best chance to have those great recruiting classes. Mike Norvell didn't get that. And so this year he's got to produce for that reason because to get people, to get some excitement from, you know, they've won over some recruits here or there. But to get like the big, bigger, like in in bigger numbers, they have to have success on the field. Well, and uh, just just to answer a couple of people here, continue to remind yourself, guys, that it wasn't solely the COVID situation. It's that he was the third coach in four years. Right. So you're starting over for a third time, not a first time, the way that the other coaches you're mentioning now about the COVID years were. People just want to bury their head in the sand and pretend like those things aren't reasons. They want to always point to those things and call them excuses. Again, competing things can be true at the same time. If Mike Norvell goes five and seven this year, I think they should fire him. Mike Norvell, I believe, is a good coach who inherited a nightmare situation and has struggled with it. That can both be true. I, I, you know, I think that's where we're at. We'll see if Mike Norvell does enough to stick around. I would tell you that no matter how you feel about Mike Norvell, you should root for him. Not just because you're loyal to Florida State and you love Florida State. If Florida State has to start over again, you start the clock at zero again. You lose out anything you have going for you in terms of relationships built, recruiting areas that have increased and improved. If you're going to start over, well, by the way, if you're going to start over, you're going to start over without Atkins. You're going to start because he's going to be gone if you fire Norvell. That's where you're at. So, you don't want to have to start from scratch again. And after they did what they did last with Willie, and I understood it, but now all of a sudden you're paying off Willie, you're hampered financially. They ended up bringing in basically a bean counter as AD so they could get the money situation right. But you were screwed, and so you brought Mike Norvell in, and I think Mike's a good coach. We'll see if he gets the job done. If he doesn't, they'll have to let him go. But if you start over again, man, again, financially you take a step backwards – Recruiting, you take a step backwards, you start from scratch again, and that's another, what, three years? So now how long will it have been since you were a meaningful program? Ten years, nine years before you start to sniff having a successful season again? No, man, you don't You don't want to do that. No, it's funny you say this. I had this conversation at lunch the other day with a friend who I was saying that if you – even if you're not sure that you, you believe Mike Norvell is a long-term answer, I don't know how you could say that based on what we've seen so far, but if that's what you believe – you still need to hope that he has success because the stopping now and changing course, I think would be disastrous. Now it would be, they're in a better position. Now I do think Florida State's in a better position now in terms of culture and all those things, work ethic um, behind the scenes, structure, organization, their expectations to where somebody coming in wouldn't have quite as much heavy lifting to do as Mike Norvell did after the way things ended with Jimbo and then the two years of Willie, but again, to your point, you don't know, especially with the transfer portal, how many of those kids are going to stay, how many of those kids are going to go. You can only bring in 25 players a year, but there's no limit on how many can leave. And so there, you're, there are so many things that could go backwards uh, if you had to make a change. So Florida State needs to have success. Mike Norvell needs to have success. But I really think the people that support this program 
really need to hope that this is a good year because you just can't have it. I don't know. I don't know what you would do, even if they go six and six or, or seven and five, and there's just no energy, you know, they, they'd probably have to stick with him, but it just would be, it would feel like, okay, well in a year, he's probably in trouble. And then now you're starting over again. So this is the, this is where they need to break through. They have to. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I've been on record as saying, and you know, it's okay. I, I, some people disagree with me. That's fine. I, if they don't have a, you know, a seven win season, bare minimum. I just, he's a dead man walking. I, he, he may not get fired, but he, he's not going to have success here. Uh, I, it'll be, it's my opinion. If he doesn't have the kind of season that we're talking about, and again, losses, wins and losses happen for a reason. You have to see how they play out. If you're injury riddled, it changes the way you have the discussion, but presuming they don't have a disastrous campaign with all kinds wrought with injury, and they and they're just average again, and and they don't take another step forward at all. If they were to go six and six or something like that, Ira, I just don't think you can at that point do enough in recruiting to get this turned around. So you're just kind of doomed to have some more middling seasons before you play out the string and fire them. Well, because yeah, how do you get that energy again? You, again, you can. Yeah, a new coach gets it just inherently, unless it's just a disaster from day one. But more often than not, the coach that first year, even into the second year, sometimes. You have that energy of of the hope of what's to come, but if you're you know if you've gone through three years and you're not making progress, then that would be concerning. But I think, man, again, this is all like we're talking worst case scenarios. I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to pick up pretty much where they left off last season. I think they're going to be uh, a team that wins. You know, again, you you don't you think they're losing in Miami? You think they're probably going to lose at NC State? What other games do you think right now? You you would say straight up you would pick the other team. Clemson, 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 is there anything I, I, else that right? Just straight up, you think that Florida State's a good chance they're going to lose that game? Yeah, well, NC State, I don't like them to win. Clemson, I think you said that. NC State, yeah. Clemson, uh, and I don't know. Yeah, I think they'll lose at Miami. So those what three about future. LSU? What about LSU? I am so stuck on the LSU game. This sounds like waffling, uh, but I'm even looking at it. If I remove my garnet and gold-colored glasses and just tell you that even from a gambling standpoint, I'm struggling with that game. Because who, how do we know what LSU is going to be in year one under Kelly with the new system, new coaches, and all that they just went through? I don't know. I know they got some good players. I, I went through the roster and from a depth standpoint to try to get a sense of what Florida State's going to be facing. Um, and I also looked at the transfer portal and saw what they brought in and, you know, they, they have a good roster. It's, it's, it's a better roster than Florida state's roster, but it's not appreciably better. It's not overwhelmingly better and it's their first game. Right. So when you think Florida state has the tune up, can you get out to a lead? Can you hang on for dear life? I mean, it will be fascinating. I do think that's kind of a pick 'em game. I get why LSU's favored, especially with it being in new Orleans, but I feel like that's kind of a pick 'em game. So I no, I wouldn't just say I'm automatically picking yeah. out. And, and even the and even the Miami game, I mean, you're giving them the edge because they've got the better quarterback, and they're at home. But it's not like that's a game where you say Florida State can't go win that game. Correct. If they play yeah. well, and if Miami doesn't play, but well, Miami will be favored, and Van Dyke yeah. is a good player who I think takes another step forward. Um, but that's what you, you listen. This is why we get. This is the exciting part of it. Again, I think Florida State has eight to nine games this year in which they're going to either be uh, uh, underdog by two to three points, something like that, or a favorite by two to three points. That, that We're looking at the bulk of their schedule, in essence, on a neutral side, if you would, being 50-50 contests. 
You know, and so often, Ira, and this is where we hold our breath, because let's admit it, we've we've pointed out the missteps. We've pointed out the mistakes made by this coaching staff. They've also been really unlucky. They have been really unlucky. And I, the, the latest example was Winston Wright. You go out and you get a guy right off the bat that you know has proven himself in Power 5 games contest, Power 5 league, as a reliable, dependable, go-to wide receiver. That's something you have to have because your receiving core has been terrible. And that's the guy that gets dinged up? You never want to see anybody get hurt. But, man, if we're picking and choosing – I mean, can we pick a different position group? Can we find another guy at that receiving core to get dinged up? And again, I wish everybody well. I'm just saying, like, that's another case of really bad luck. And I just hope that that changes. I don't think anybody's doomed. I don't believe in curses. I don't think that the, you know, the football gods are out to get him or anything dumb like that. It's just he's been a little unlucky. It's about time for that to turn, right? I mean, come on. He's got to have some breaks here and there. The one thing I do think, the one big thing, and because I've gone through this a few times, there are a few things that have hurt Mike Norvell between you know COVID and just some different situations. But I do think, for, when I say COVID, everybody had to deal with COVID, but it was his first, he just got here as the third coach in four years. But the other thing, the one thing that's really worked in his favor that was available to him, and he, he has done, a, I think, a very good job of seizing it, is he did get the advantage of the transfer portal in the one-time exception where kids can be eligible right away. You know, and I think last year they did a good job with it. And I think this year they've done a good job with it. Again, Winston Wright got hurt, but they've done a good job of assessing their needs and going out. They went out and got four wide receivers. They went out and got four offensive linemen. They got a linebacker who will probably be a stud in the middle of the defense. Yeah. They went out and got uh, another, you know, another corner, you know, cornerback for depth. Uh, they got some nice pieces. They got a running back command to be the starting running back and Trey Benson. So, you got to give them credit for that. And that is one thing that, you know, if Mike Norvell had gotten the job three or four years ago, that door wasn't open. So he did get, that's the one thing I think that's worked out at Mike Norvell's, but it's not only specific to him. Obviously everybody can do it. But Forest State has proven their prowess in assessing those kids, convincing them to come here and then doing something with them. The draft has proven that these guys, this is a place you can come and elevate your stock. And that's why they continue to get more guys in the portal, or at least Florida State is considered heavily by talented players. If you think about Kira Thomas, you think about obviously Jermaine Johnson, and we can go on down the list. They've had a lot of kids come in here and really make an impact. So that is an area of expertise for them right now that they have largely been a major success in that arena, the transfer portal arena. Well, it's eight o'clock. I'm going to call it a night. <laughs> I'm with you, buddy. We're buttoned up here on the smash when I'm around. We're, that's it. We're done at eight. We're but, not No, you got traveling to get prepared for. I got a show tomorrow. Looking forward to it. What do we got on the site? Uh, we got a lot this week, obviously. Warchant.com. Corey, we wish you well from a distance. He's got surgery tomorrow. So I don't know if they're recording a wake up tonight or not. I didn't know whether or not I should promote that because I'll, 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 I'll allow for some allowances when a guy's going in for surgery, right? So we wish him well. And uh, yeah, it's been great talking to all you guys. Thanks for uh, joining us and having the discussion. We'll do it again. Smash will be here every week. And uh, it's almost go time, guys. Almost go time. Basically one week from tomorrow, they're going to be starting practice and we can all celebrate the return of football, which is something no matter where you stand in this debate, we all love. So that's good. Ira, thank you, brother. And we'll have coverage of ACC kickoff starting, uh, I guess Tuesday night, but yeah, through uh, the middle of the week. So stay tuned throughout the week for lots of videos, stories, and uh, other content 
on the radio shows, et cetera, uh, from ACC kickoff up in Charlotte. Yeah, and you'll join me on the Jeff Cameron Show tomorrow. I look forward to that as always. And then, of course, I got these guys coming on the show uh, all week long from Charlotte. And, of course, Corey will recover and wake up, working, all that good stuff. So we'll talk to you soon. Our thanks to Matthew, who did a great job. He always does in producing. Uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for watching. Be good, everybody. Thanks.